Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. On their hands they shall bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came down and waited on him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And when we come to passages like this one, there's usually always a question about the difference between testing and temptation. See, the Greek word uh, that is used here uh, is used for both throughout the Bible. And, and so to, to say to test or to tempt in English, it, it doesn't allow us to hold the tension of the nuance that's in this word. You ever watch the show Forged and Fire on the History Channel? Okay, so like me and like two others out of the entire church, nobody in the last service had heard of it. Okay, good. So if you haven't watched it, this is the show where they take bladesmiths of varying years of experience. They have them compete making different types of swords or blades or other edged weaponry and often with a fun twist because, you know, it's a TV show and we got to get the ratings up, uh, make it more challenging. And so here's the parameters to advance to the final. Round one, uh, your blade is supposed to have an edge on it. If it doesn't, you're out. Round two, fix the mistakes you made because we rushed you. Put a handle on it. If you don't, you're out. But what happens, as it's supposed to, when more than one bladesmith finishes uh, and they each have a completed weapon? Well, now it's time for the test. Now it's time for the trial. And there's a version of this competition where the winner is determined by default because the other person's sword failed to hold up through the testing. Sword breaks, handle comes off, whatever, but it's unsafe to continue. Now, both weapons looked complete. They looked ready to go. It was only through the testing that we found out which one could uh, withstand the trial and come out victorious. A little banged up, not as shiny and polished as when it began, but as the saying goes, be weary of a knight in shining armor, for his metal has not been tested in the throes of war. And if you're paying attention at the beginning of the show, they tell you 
what the test will be at the end of the show. Like, okay, this is how we're going to beat your sword up, so get ready, right? You're supposed to make a weapon that will be able to withstand what is coming. So church, might I suggest to you that God has given us what we need to withstand what is coming. The testing is not so that we may fail, but so that we might learn how to be victorious. The testing teaches us where we are weak, and it's okay to be weak because where we are weak, God is strong. Where we cannot fight is where the Holy Spirit steps in and fights on our behalf. And most importantly, testing reveals to us where we have a foundation and an assurance in something other than God. But it's all brought about not so that we might fall into temptation because life is hard and sometimes we stumble in many ways, but so that we might know how to resist the flaming arrows of the evil one and we will be delivered from temptation with an assurance and a confidence that the God of angel armies is always by my side. Tests come from God. Temptations come from the devil. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, we often talk about the, the three temptations that the devil puts on Jesus in the wilderness, but there is a fourth. And in fact, this one is foundational to all of them, and it runs through the heart of everything that's about to come next. So I want you to notice here that in the temptations of Jesus, there is a fundamental attack on the identity of Jesus. See, Satan doesn't just delight in getting you to do things you aren't supposed to do. That's not sinister enough. But if the devil can fundamentally get you to question who you are, what defines you, and how you're supposed to live in this world, well, that would be a victory for hell that has a much greater impact on destroying the world. Satan loves nothing more than to take the truth of who you are and twist it so you wind up on a path that leads away from God and his grace. See, the devil addresses Jesus in the temptations, and he says, if you are the son of God, and well, that is in fact true. Jesus is the son of God. But by saying if, by starting with this if, the devil calls the authority of Jesus' identity into question. Oh, come on, he says. If you were really the king, you could get this done. If you really had the power you say you have, this should be no problem for you. If you really were God's son, heaven and earth would obey you. Therefore, you can do whatever you want. Don't we get attacked in this same way? If you were a better father and mother, kids wouldn't have turned out that way. If you would have just done a better job, if you would have just worked the extra hours, you wouldn't have been laid off. <clears throat> Your business wouldn't have gone under. If you would have prayed more, that bad thing wouldn't have happened. So the big takeaway I want to draw out for us this morning is that most, if not all, temptation is rooted in truth. 
Now it's a half truth or it's a twisted truth, but temptation is appealing because it takes what is true, perverts it, and then tries to sell it back to us as the best. And Jesus always combats the twisting of truth by having God's truth hidden deep inside his heart. Each time the devil gives Jesus a testing of the truth, Jesus counters by quoting scripture. And I think he does this to teach us something. Right? I mean, he's Jesus. Whatever he says becomes scripture. That's what the little red letters in your Bible are all about. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't start just making stuff up. He quotes what's already written in the scriptures so that we might learn that in the scriptures, we will find sufficiency to withstand any temptation. Now, if you're going to apply this logically with me, you would say that, well, to know which scriptures I'm going to apply at which points in my life, I'm going to need to, need to know what the scriptures say. So calm down, just as, right? I don't know anybody that's got the entire Bible memorized. And I'm not even necessarily suggesting that we have to have the exact chapter and verse uh, number memorized when we quote the verse, right? But it is going to require us to know the characters, the stories, the ideas in the Bible, to have them buried deep within the foundations of who we are as a person. And not just what you think is in the Bible. Well, it says that, doesn't it? Well, not really. That's a twisting of the truth that you've heard, that you've heard, that you, what's actually in there? Was it actually say, and then who am I as a person? See, Jesus isn't just teaching us to quote scripture to combat spiritual warfare. At a deeper level, Jesus is showing us how the scriptures are there to sustain our lives in times of greatest need. So as we go through the trials of Jesus, I want you to watch how the devil is going to attack. He always attacks on two fronts. First, he uses whatever is happening around you to intensify the attack. In fact, for two of the temptations, the devil is going to pick Jesus up and take him to another location precisely so that the attack has more weight. Second, he's going to take God's divine truth and he's going to twist it so we use it in a way that God did not intend. Tell these stones to become bread. Now, historians say that there were little limestone rocks in the wilderness that looked like little round loaves of bread. And so Jesus is in hunger, he's in isolation, and he's surrounded by things that look like food. Better yet, he has the power to do the miracle that Satan is asking him to do to sustain his life. But Jesus' reply comes from Deuteronomy 8.3. I want you to listen to verse 2 as well. Remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would obey his commands. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, these verses in Deuteronomy are part of the 40 years that Israel spent in the wilderness being tested by God. And in that test, they learned to reevaluate their hearts and refocus their lives on God. Perhaps this is why this is a good opening passage for Lent. 
Now, so what did the Israelites learn after their wilderness journey? Well, they learned that the only way that they survived it was because God was sustaining them. Your clothes didn't wear out, your sandals don't have holes, you had bread from heaven, water from a rock, and even a little bit of quail. But for some reason, we still tend to focus on filling our desires by our own strength and power. And then we ask God to come along and bless it, if we ask God's approval at all. And we try to justify that by acting out of a moment of despair. Well, Jesus has just spent 40 days fasting in the wilderness, and now he's being tempted to relieve his despair with food that did not come from God. The test is in what degree we believe God's promises to be true. The temptation is in every time that God doesn't respond quick enough or in the way that we think he should, we go on fulfilling our desires on our own. Next, the tempter is going to take Jesus to the highest point of the temple. It was meant to show God's uh, presence and protection among the people. Throw yourself down. God will protect you. Satan's quoting from Psalm 91, which is a song about the protection of the Most High. It says, this, it says, no harm will come to you, no plague will come near your tent, for he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all of your ways. And Jesus' response comes from Deuteronomy 6.16. Do not test the Lord your God as you tested him at Massa. Now the Massa reference takes us back to Exodus 17 when the Israelites were in Massa, in the wilderness, complaining that they did not have enough water. Do you remember that story? No, this isn't the second time they were complaining about not having enough water. This is the first time they were complaining about not having enough water. They just didn't get the point. God had to do it again. But they would use God's apparent lack of provision to question whether or not God's presence was really among them. And what it says that we're not to test God, what it means is that we're not supposed to demand a response or an action of God because we think we know how he should act in the world. Like, is it true that God will protect Jesus? Yes, no, maybe. Yeah, that's true. But death by crucifixion is also a very real part of Jesus' life, amen? God's protection comes in God's provision, comes through God's provisions. But God's provisions may not come in the way that we think they should. Life is hard. Sometimes we find ourselves in the wilderness. So we like to tell God how to provide for our needs and our desires instead of turning our attention to the will and desire that God has for our lives and then trusting God to provide for us according to his promises. The test is to see if we are following God because we think he has something to give us or if we're following God because we love him and we trust him. The temptation is to follow our own understanding of how to get things done. Now, I remember sitting in Cambodia at a uh, crossroads. Uh, my internship was ending, and so my time in the country would come to an end as well. I arrived on a round-trip ticket, 
But I also arrived with a willingness to stay longer if that was God's desire. <clears throat> and so let me tell you that God doesn't always give the clearest answers. So I wrestled back and forth whether he was calling me to stay or to return home. Now, if I stayed, I wasn't sure how I was going to stay. I didn't have any formal certification or formal training at this point in my life. I didn't know what type of job I would be able to get to sustain myself. And honestly, like every time I got what I thought was a sign from God, it seemed to be a sign that I was supposed to return to the States. Only problem is, is I had started to make real connections with the people over there, and I had even started seeing this Cambodian girl uh, by, by this time of discernment in my life. And so it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me that God would pull me away from all that. It would seem to do more damage uh, than good to the Cambodian people, right? Uh, it, would, it would certainly have an adverse effect on the reputation of the other missionaries who are in country. Oh, so you just date our women and leave? Is that what you do, right? And I'm just, I'm just saying, like, the lovely lady, she'd be crushed. The beautiful Cambodian lady, she, she would be heartbroken if I were to leave. I'm quite the catch, you know. Leaving Cambodia and these people who had become special to me, it seemed counter to the love and the compassion of God. But who was I to go against where God was leading? And so after several tests and discernments of who was speaking to me, what they were trying to say, I decided to do what God was making clear and leave, even if it didn't make sense. Now, if this is your first time joining us and you're just horrified, that lovely lady is now my wife and we are three kids deep. And so no, that is not what God wanted. Uh, wasn't what he was asking me to do, but that's, that's all I got at the time. It's what it seemed so clear. And so one day I was given this tour. That was my job at the internship and God snatched my spirit up out of my body. My body finishes giving the tour and my spirit has this little talk with God and he, he puts a name on my heart. Jehovah Jireh, that's the Hebrew name for God, which means the God who will provide. It's the same name for God that we see when it seems like Abraham is supposed to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. Did I trust God enough to stay in Cambodia without any provisions? Was I really there because God had called me there or was I just doing something that looked good on a resume? Would I be willing to take whatever job I could get so that I could stay and do what God had called me to do? And so once again, I resigned to the fact that if I was truly there for God, I'd have to trust God that he would provide, even if I couldn't see how that was going to be possible. Now, to make a long story short or a short story long, however you're feeling about this, like not only did I land a great job in a great organization, but by the time I left, five years later, God's tricky, uh, I left that organization as one of the highest paid employees. God will provide. And I can brag about that because all that money's gone now. Uh, but uh, plane tickets are expensive. I mean, just, right? I still didn't understand what God was doing or why he was doing it the way he was. But God was providing what I needed to do, what he had asked me to do, if I would just listen and follow where he leads. And so testing God is not about not asking God about his greatness 
or even questioning his instruction. Like if you need some time for clarity or for discernment, by all means, tarry with God in prayer. But lean not on your own understanding. Trust God to provide and then get up and follow where he is leading. Last, the devil takes Jesus on a mountain and he shows him all the wondrous glories, the kingdoms, the splendors that could all be his. I will give you everything if you will fall down and worship me. But the wonders and the glories of this world were created by the Son in union with the Father and the Spirit before the world began. So Satan is offering Jesus what is already his. And Satan is, is offering it to him apart from God's design for restoration. Because when you're the son of the great king, why be a servant? When you're the king of the world, why be crucified? And Jesus' response comes from Deuteronomy 6.13. The best translation I found of this uh, comes from the Jewish Publication Society for English. Uh, it says this. It says, revere only the Lord your God and worship him alone. Verse 14 is going to be key for us uh, as well this morning. Do not follow other gods, any of the gods of the people who are around you. And I don't want you to miss that this is also the temptation where Jesus goes on the offensive, right? He quotes Deuteronomy 6.13, but then he also gives a command, away with you, Satan. When it comes to who is to be exalted and worshiped, God has no equal, and he will not even tolerate the suggestion of someone who is worthy of this honor. When it comes to worship, all games are over. When it comes to the supremacy over who is worthy of all of our worship and glory and praise and honor, God has no rivals. And part of the human condition and in all of our fallacy is that we go on trying to assert ourselves and our accomplishments and our agenda in the place of God. For the sake of our name and our glory, we too often bend the knee to the little g God of this age who blinds our hearts and our minds to the gospel and who prowls around looking for someone else to destroy. The test is if we will worship the triune God of the Bible above all others. The temptation is to put the important things of our life in his place. The truth is, is that we all stumble in many ways, but we have gone too long treating common sins with casual indifference. The truth is that we have let the God of temptation set on the throne of the triune God for far too long, and it is numbing our souls to the presence and power of God Almighty. Lent invites us into a 40-day season where we recognize and bring to the surface all the areas in our life that are hindering us towards growth in God. We want to identify them. We want to bring them to the surface because while our sins remain in darkness, they have power over us. 
But as we bring them into the light, they lose all their power and authority because we began to see the twisting of the truth for what it is. We begin to see the lies and the perversions for what they are. We have everything we need to fight the spiritual battles before us and get out of the wilderness we are in. In God's providence, he had us put it down in a little book, right, and carry it with you wherever you go. Now, that doesn't mean that all your problems go away. But with the word of God hidden in your heart, temptations become opportunities for transformation. And tests become testimonies. So during these 40 days, get into the word of God until the word of God gets into you. Let's pray. Lord, during this Lenten season, give us the grace to rise above our human weakness. Nourish us and fill our hearts with your word of life and keep us faithful to the gospel of Christ Jesus, that through the love we have for one another, your everlasting love and grace and mercies will be carried unto the ends of the earth until every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.